Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. We are so excited to welcome green witch, writer, herbalist, wise woman, and my teacher, Robin Rose Bennett, to Magic and Alchemy today. Robin is one who loves the earth and gives voice to the healing wild food and medicine plants which surround us. She is a teacher of wise woman healing ways of herbal medicine and earth spirit teachings. She says that common plants are our teachers. Weeds and wildflowers show us the joyful abundance and generosity of our true nature. They freely share their gifts of food, medicine, beauty, and wholeness. Her work helps us to remember ways of compassionate intuition, nurturing ourselves and our unique rhythms magical rituals celebrating the cycles of life, death and rebirth, and honoring the sacred web of life. She is the author of two gorgeous books, Healing Magic, A Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living, and The Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicine, and Home Remedies for a Vibrantly Healthy Life. Robin teaches in hospitals, clinics, nursing programs, and other venues, but most joyously enjoys teaching outside with the plants. Robin also guides apprentices through this work, and I'm lucky enough to be one of her students. Robin is joining us today via Zoom from her home in New Jersey. Thank you for being here today, Robin Rose. Thank you for having me, Kate and Kristen. It's a pleasure to be here on Magic and Alchemy. We would love if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your work in your own words. Like, what does it mean to be a green witch and what have you been working on lately? Well, what it means to be a green witch is to be a person who is in love with the green growing life of planet Earth and in general in love with all of nature. And of course, we're part of nature. And a green witch is someone who also works with the natural magic of of the earth, the natural magic of the earth, the universe, um, with a particular, you know, kind of special orientation to the plants, but not limited to them because the plants put us in relationship with the animals, the pollinators and the soil and the sky and the sun and the rain and the moon and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. So in a way, I think maybe a a way to summarize this is to say um, that it's a person, usually a woman, but definitely not always, um, who is connected and intertwined in every aspect of her life with the, with the web of life itself, with the web of life itself. And green witches may choose to use plants for healing. They may be, you know, um, gardeners, they may be writers, uh, or all three as I am, or 
Right. So what you choose to do, but it is ultimately, I guess it's primarily a relationship with the magic of the living green world. Mm. And when did you begin that relationship in your work? You know, it's a little hard to answer that because I grew up, in, as far as like my awareness of myself, I felt like I grew up disconnected, but I also, well, it's sort of a twofold thing. This is a very sweet and fun thing. I discovered a picture of myself at, I don't know, maybe two years old, and it was in an old eight millimeter video uh, that my, my parents would take videos, right, of the family. And, um, and in the last frame of the video, I run up to the camera and I thrust my hand out and I'm holding a dandelion flower into like taking up the whole lens of the camera. <laughs> so I'm thinking that looks like pretty much how I would do that today. Like I'd hold out the dandelion flower and say, have you ever smelled this or tasted this or touched this? So in that sense, I think I always was this person with this uh, delight in the in the green magic. Um, but I didn't become aware of it until later. And in fact, my path took me through um, spirituality before I landed in my body on the earth and and working to um, integrate like matter and spirit. I, I was deeply involved in spiritual studies for quite a long time, starting at, at a very young age, like maybe 16, 17. And it was awesome. It was great. And I opened myself to the truths of interconnection. But it was more like transcendent moments of, of you know, of bliss and high highs and such. It wasn't like what the plants did and do for me and do for the people that I teach and reach is help us. They have helped me to really integrate this magic of the spirituality and sense of being connected to everything into daily life. So that came later. That came later when I went to study herbs. I was about, I was in my late 20s. Before that, I had looked into herbs as, as for answers to health problems, but I was definitely still in the mindset of, you know, herbs are those things in packages and jars. I didn't, I didn't understand that they were plants, and I certainly didn't understand that plants were living beings who were healers, who were teachers, who were elders. That, that you know, was a gradual realization. Mm. So what was that call like then to go in and deeper your studies with the plants? You know, it's, I don't think we always know, right? But I always, you know, how we get called to our calling. But I always believe, so, so when I was really little, even then I had a sense of, of magic, a sense of, I don't know if I called it magic. I had a sense of mystery the sense that there was far more going on than met the eye, right? I, I always had that. And I didn't know anybody else was like that. I didn't know anybody else thought about the kind of things I thought about, like, did we live before? Or, you know, things that might be really common in another culture. But I don't know. I wasn't exposed to them, right? It's, uh, I just had this funny tangent. You're going to probably have to pull me back, but it's too good not to share with you. <laughs> I was watching this wonderful um, biography of Jimi Hendrix, and, and his aunt was talking and she said, you know, 
One day, Jimmy came home from school. He's 13 or 14 years old. And all of a sudden, he's talking to us about astral travel. <laughs> and, and they didn't teach him that in school. But he's, he's, you know, so anyway, so who knows where, right? What do we bring them from other lifetimes? Um, mm -hmm. I was an herbalist for years and years before I learned that I had a great grandmother who was a renowned herbalist. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was always being called on this path. I was sticking dandelion flowers into the camera, you know, at two years old. Um, but I knew that I needed to be engaged with the mystery of life. I knew that. And I was studying with wonderful people and studying this really deep system about where you're, you're encountering your shadow um, sides in order to become whole in order to be, you know, filled to heal through acceptance of, of all of your parts. And what I began to see to really nutshell this was that as beautiful as these teachings were, and my teachers were who later became, you know, dear, dear, dear friends, there was still this disconnect between my daily life and my spirituality. And worse than that, perhaps, was I saw how people, including myself, would use these concepts as a way to kind of stay up in our heads, right? And not really ground. And again, for me, in retrospect, it's the difference between understanding things, having transcendent moments, and ongoing sustainable access to joy that makes life really juicy and worth living. And, mm -hmm. and which is so fitting for the dandelion, really, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Dandelion, little golden suns growing in the lawns like lights in the darkness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I have a friend right now who's really struggling with depression. And I said, you know what, let's do this. One simple ritual every day. Just one ritual can be as simple as possible. So for today, her ritual is to eat a dandelion flower and say an affirmation or a mantra, something, I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but it's something like, you know, I open to receive this light to light up the dark places inside me. Mm. I love that. That's really beautiful. Thank you. And she's like, I can do that. Right? I, I can, that I can do. Yeah. So it's step by step by step. Especially when you're in that place and you just kind of need like the first thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So Robin, do you remember the first time you called yourself a witch? Was that a big moment for you? I remember it vividly. Um, and I even wrote about it in the introduction to my first book, Healing Magic. Uh, I was with my two friends, uh, one of whom is still my, is my best friend. And we walked home from school, we were about 10 years old. And I said to them, I'm a witch. And they said, how do you know? And I said, <laughs> I don't know, but I know I am one. And they said, you know, well, well, we want to be witches too, right? Because there was no internet or anything, but we had this notion that witches like had a lot of fun and they were mischievous and, you know. Mm -hmm. So we, we made up a password for our witch club, which was tee <laughs> <laughs> And so that was the first time I said I was a witch that I recall. That's amazing. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I 
we get a lot of messages from our listeners who are, you know, just trying to start or just, you know, they're in kind of in a beginner's place. And do you have any advice for someone who is a, a beginner witch or is looking to follow the green witch path or kind of get more, you know, in touch with plants? Yeah, the first step is probably the hardest one for people. It's to slow down. Mm-hmm. In order to connect, right, so the first step to walking on a green witch path is to connect with, let's say, one plant, right? One plant can open the whole world to you. And, but to do the connecting, you have to slow down. So it's, it's so multi-layered, right? Because in slowing down, we're expressing to the universe, right, our commitment right, to wanting to learn, to wanting to open ourselves. In slowing down, we are choosing a priority that goes against what our culture says is valuable, right, which is productivity. Um, And in slowing down and quieting down, then we can begin to listen. Then we can begin to hear um, voices other than, you know, our family, our friends, our, the news, the internet, YouTube, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And if you want to hear the voice of nature, you definitely have to slow down and be quiet, right? Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't speak necessarily in words, and, and the oak tree speaks differently than, you know, the, the linden tree or the little grass, you know, um, growing along the sidewalk. But everywhere the plants are they're not only feeding us our life by exhaling oxygen, right? Which is a very real thing, right? My, my relationship to spirit and magic is such that if I don't see a mirror for it in material reality, I hold it with quite a grain of salt, right? Until I see a mirror of some concept, right? In the world, right, in how things grow or die or, you know, flower, what have you, I don't think that I know they're true yet, Mm. right? And uh, my first teacher famously used to say, well, well, you know, that's just psychic woo-woo. I'm not interested in psychic woo-woo. I'm interested in the reality of magic. There's nothing more magical than reality. Um, Kristen mentioned at the onset when we were still backstage about you know that a goat is about to give birth you watch that goat give birth you are in the presence of natural magic right it's it's undeniable it's so phenomenal so back to your question the best way i know is to sit down with a plant or a tree is actually even easier they're easier to hear they're a little more they seem a little more like us right (laughs) <laughs> because they they stand they're between the earth and the sky like we are they have branches where we have arms and so forth so sit with a tree and consciously give your breath to that being and consciously receive your breath from that tree right and you do i like to do it like in a figure 8 but people can find what works for them maybe for some it's through the root chakra mm-hmm. right under the earth connect your psychic roots with the trees physical roots and you begin to develop relationship 
So today people's attention spans are, are frighteningly short, mm -hmm. right? Um, and trees move more slowly uh, than we do, clearly, right? So it's kind of like you have to go again and again. And you might have a little bit of beginner's luck though, where like the plant is so happy that you've come and sat <laughs> down it'll say, I'm gonna give her or him like this great message so that they're enticed, you know, to come back and, and sit again. Mm -hmm. And it changes everything because honestly, what I've found, you know, I have a clinical practice as well, um, less and less these days as I'm wanting to have more and more of my time for my writing. But what I see um, in the clinical practice, I'll see that like somebody will come in with a condition and they might have a really like kind of dramatic uh, healing response at first. I've learned to tell them not to think it's going to stay at that level, right? Because it, it again, it's like the, the nature going like, yeah, yeah, follow this path, follow this path. So I'll show you what can be. And now it's going to chill out. And you're going to have to do the work like little by little, um, you know, like, let's say a woman has menstrual cramps, like she might take her motherwort for the first time and experience total relief, right? And then the second month be disappointed because she has less relief. But why? Mm -hmm. Because the body is talking. It's giving messages. It's giving teachings. It's, it's you know, the body is the wisest part and the most honest part of, of a human. And mm -hmm. it always speaks to us as nature does really in the language of love, find where you need to, to bring your love, find what you need to illuminate, find what you need to add in, and then what you need to release and let go. It happens almost as automatically as the exhale follows the inhale. And, and the other thing I want to say about working with a plant as a beginner, intermediate or whatever, whatever, you're always a beginner. Every time you go in, it's like, for the first time, which is one of the things I love about this path. It keeps it fresh and, and keeps people filled with wonder forever. I, I, I'm as amazed today as I was 30 years ago at, at what I see that the, how the plants help us. And, and the other piece that I keep trying to get to, and now I'm there and I'm going to say it, is right now we are on such a precipice, right? We really are on the brink of, of you know, evolving diva or devolving of, of growing or dying, not the earth, us. All of nature is reaching out for us saying, we truly want to help you. We truly can help you, but you have to ask us and you have to listen. And then of course, following through on what you hear, right? mm -hmm. following through on what you hear. Um, I have a poem I wrote recently that is so it is a haiku but it's like a series of seven haikus that bead together to tell the story okay it's called what can i do lene lenape people lived here on the land i bought yet no it's not mine two i plant seeds in the garden blessings on the land the forest hums in my veins three I cannot atone for strip malls and gas stations. I can truly love this land. Four, I can go to the people and listen and learn with respect and gratitude. 
I can go to the people and share medicine. My giveaway, plant teachings. Six, we are all indigenous to our mother earth. She wants us to reunite. Seven, together we will reclaim what has been taken and heal all our relations. Blessing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. So Robin, you're obviously a bit of a word witch and I would love to hear about your writing process. Do you have any rituals around writing or working with writing to access magic? Kristen, I have to laugh so hard because when you had given me the, uh, that question beforehand, I looked at it and I said, no, to myself. I said, no, I, I don't. I absolutely don't have any, any rituals or magic. And that is so completely not true. Um, so th they're so like a part of, you know, of what I do that I, it, I didn't even think of it as ritual. So yes, and they're so fun. It, you know, as far as getting to write, the, the, the ritual that I do is schedule it. And that is the only thing that has worked for me. Well, the very first thing I did when, my, when I was getting ready to write my first book was I put my television, I unhooked everything and I put it in the closet. Yes, because I love that. I, yeah, I am a story addict. And, and so I think that is my only truest addiction. Well, maybe that and one fantastic cup of coffee a day. Um, <laughs> fair trade organic, of course. But yeah, um, rituals. So put the, put the TV away, schedule. I mean, I would not have gotten my, my second book written if I didn't put it in a schedule. And now this is the very first time. And it is a bit of a ritual to do that, you know. Um, and now I've actually scheduled writing days in my week, like every week, and it's fabulous. But as to the fun magic rituals, so I realized after I said no, because I went into my little writing nook to get something, I, I looked around, I was like, oh my goodness, Robin, look what you have. I have <laughs> an altar for any book I'm working on. So when I was working on the gift of healing herbs, I had like, one like kind of ch cut out letters of a chant that's in the book. I had a picture of a tree that's the, oh, now I'm thinking of my novel. So I have a novel that I've finished that I'm uh, shopping, um, shopping around. Well, not quite yet. I'm magnetizing my agent first, but I have a novel. And when I wrote the novel, I, I made a ritual for it. It had some of the, the, the main characters, right? So I had, a, I had a little mountain lion. I had a little bear. I had a picture of my tree. I had certain stones. I had things that were part of the story. And even when I would go on a retreat somewhere, I would, I would carefully pack up this ritual, you know, altar and bring it with me and set it down as I wrote, or for certain parts of it, I would wear certain earrings. Um, and then the book that I've just about completed now, a nonfiction book that I'm also very excited about, uh, that one, I did the silliest thing. Okay, so it's, it's a pocketbook. And I, when I say silly, I mean this affectionately, but it, so I've been writing it because it's a pocketbook. I've been writing it on index cards. And I have a, I have a, a real connection. One of, one of my animals is the red fox. So somebody gave me a little plastic red fox. So I put the index cards on my desk, piling them up day by day as I wrote another page. And I put the fox next to it. And I said to myself, okay, 
when the index card reaches the, the fox's neck, the book is done. <laughs> Things like that, or like I took the index cards at one point and I put them in a spiral. They took up my entire living room floor. Some of those are, are fun things that I don't, I don't do any rituals except that. <laughs> I think a lot of us can probably relate to it. I don't know about you, Kate, but just talking about scheduling, I always have to put like my phones in the other room, you know, like I mm -hmm. cannot write. So it's kind of what you were saying with the TV. Um, you know, if I didn't do that, I feel like I would never actually get the writing done. Absolutely. Yeah. What is it about the red fox, though? I'm I'm curious. Fox is beautiful and foxes fun and sly and clever. And, you know, um, she's just one of my great animals. Mysterious too. Fox is a little like she's between a cat and a dog. Yeah. And I have, I have foxes now wild, like here, they've been coming around. And, you know, even where there's a fox in the novel, there was this one part where I was done. I'm like, but there's one thing, there's one thing, there's one thing. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And this fox showed up outside and i was like oh that's it i need to, one more scene with the fox <laughs> so she's an ally i'm just curious right now as we you know are heading into summer if you have any plants that you're working with or any recommendations as we move into the summer solstice well that would depend upon, you know, what it was, what a person was looking for. Um, but they can't mm -hmm. go wrong with elderflowers. I mean, here where I live, they're not blossoming yet, but they will be around the solstice. And whether you wanted to make an elder blossom champagne or elder blossom tea or elder blossom fritters are amazing. Whoa. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm not working with that right now because the flowers aren't out yet. I mean, I do drink dried flower tea, but for solstice, things that illuminate um, solstice, right, is the peak of light. The summer solstice is the peak of light. So elder can be a really great, great ally uh, for that. And right now, I mean, in, in the springtime, it's a wonderful time to eat lots of wild greens, lots of wild greens and wild flowers like every day. And, you know, again, if somebody's brand new, learn one, learn dandelion or learn plantain or learn violet, right? And, and put it in your eggs or your salad or your, you know, your sandwich or your soup, whatever, you're with your beans, put it on at the end. It's beautiful. For me, knowing a lot of them, they're just, oh, unmasked in my, in my diet right now. And that's a beautiful thing, right? Because wild plants untame you, right? They open, they open you up. They're incredibly healthy, right, for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, a little bit of wild food can go a long way. A, a little bit of wild food is more nourishing than even a lot of like a kind of big box store organic, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not dissing it. Like be wherever, do the best you can with what you have access to. But I do encourage people to learn, to learn some wild uh, foods around them, because the it, garlic mustard was amazing. Yeah. And then you've got so the, natu good. the natural horseradish of the roots. Right? And you can do with those roots anything you would do with horseradish. I mean, it's a beautiful time to you know to 
do ritual around things of uh, you know, self-love, a golden light, illumination. Mm-hmm. I often will guide a, a uh, one aspect of a ritual might be to jump over the broom and marry a part of yourself that you have. I love that ritual at summer solstice and it's very potent. Um, so again, you might want to be drinking elder because elder helps us through the chaos of transformation or maybe you'd want to be drinking violet um, to help you melt armoring that you put around your heart, like or, or, you know, maybe in rejecting a part of yourself um, that you were told was unacceptable. We internalize these messages that repress our true exuberance and joy or sexiness or outspokenness or, you know, whatever. You're too much. Okay, so let me drink some. I don't know, Violet, and help me forgive the person who said that to me and let me let myself become who I really came here to be, myself, right? That's everybody's, that's everybody's path is to become who, who you came here to be, which is yourself. None of us can do it all. None of us can do, possibly do enough, quote unquote, right, to, to deal with all that's going wrong in the world around us. But when we uncover with the help of the plants who know exactly who they are, then what to do comes naturally. The more you are yourself, what to do becomes clear. Mm -hmm. The path is always under your feet. So I would say that to someone just starting the Greenwich Path. Your path is under your feet. Put one foot in front of the other. Listen to your body wisdom. That's so helpful. Again, this takes slowing down, right? But it's so worthy to learn to listen to where does your body feel. Start with really basic. Does your body feel good when you think about studying with that teacher or going to that place or that class? Does your body feel tense? All right, and there's a difference between the tense of like, oh my God, this is new and not scary and I'm excited or tense of like, this feels like not good. So it's really helpful to learn to listen to that, right? And animals can help us with that. Plants can help us with that because they always know exactly who they are. Summer solstice, illuminating your self-love. Would you like to share another haiku with us? I would love to. So um, here's one I love that came out of working with my body in a class I love called Continuum. Um, It's called Dissolution. When I dissolved into mud, let myself all go. My spirit soared to the stars. Fog. This morning the fog is thick, but I greet it with a clear mind, an open heart. Moss. Stones decked out in verdant moss, velvety and soft. Toes curl, grasping ancientness. You're the first people to hear that one. We're big Moss fans here. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, I have a I have a ticks and politics series. Oh, here's a short one that you'll like. Habits. Habits are harder to break the longer they've lived and the more I enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> but I have one I especially wanted to do on your share on your show. Um, is this a good time? Yeah. Okay. It's called Midnight the witching hour. It is the witching hour. I am in bed, but the wilderness howls my name. Two, 
It is the witching hour. I roam through the woods, seeking the wild witch woman. Three. It is the witching hour. I'm free. Now I know. Inside or out, I'm the witch. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to do like the tee-hee-hee <laughs> code. <laughs> Why didn't you? <laughs> Don't hold yourself in. Don't hold yourself back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I also just have this thought, um, just because I, you know, I talk to so many people and students and listen to people and you know, thinking about the things people are struggling with right now and the divisiveness. Um, this is the time of everything. That's how I see it. This is the time of everything. And we can be ourselves and be with what is around us. And I will share one haiku I wrote about that that literally is about my neighbor. Um, neighbors. My neighbor sells tasers, mace, and bulletproof vests while my front door is open. We, we can coexist. Maybe my front door open sends wafting a wave of different possibilities there that I could sit and argue with him all day long and might get nowhere. And maybe it doesn't, who knows? But we need to be courageous to be um, living the world we know is possible without delay now. And the plants are super helpful with that. Burdock will help us ground. Linden will help us lighten up. Little Strawberry taught me last year about um, again and again and again, something I've been learning for, for my whole life, but that nothing is this or that. It's always this and that, this and that. And the entree into that teaching was her three leaves. Mm. Like, look at my three leaves. It's not this or this one or that one, this one or that one, which is where we go when we struggle to decide something. Um, and I, I know that place really well of, of being indecisive, especially about little things. I'm real good with the big ones. Um, but more and more, I see it's because I'm not considering that third option, the and, or that maybe it's both. So little strawberry. This and that, Robin, this and that, this and that. Like, okay, 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 thank you. I guess before we're out of time, it would be wonderful if you would share with our listeners like where they can find more of your work, where they can connect with you. Sure, thank you. So um, people can find me via my website, robinrosebennett.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-R-O-S-E-B-E-N-N-E-T-T, -E 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 -T, although perhaps <laughs> you write that in with your, with your write-up with your podcast. Um, and then through the website, you can see all my other offerings, whether it's books or meditations, um, MP3s, or um, my YouTube channel or Instagram at Robin Rose Bennett. So I, I have all of, all of those things um, available. Oh, and probably the best way to keep updated on new things, recipes, rituals, schedule changes is through signing up for my newsletter which is available on the homepage of my website, Robin Rose Bennett. I, you know, and I'm having such a desire, I don't even know what song, but I'm having such a, a desire to go out with just even a line or two of some song. Uh, may I? Yeah, please. please. 
Okay, here's the one that's right here. We are one with the soul of the earth, Mother Earth. We are one with the soul of the earth, Mother Earth. We are one with the soul of the earth, Mother Earth. Thank you so much for yes. that and for being here today and for all of your wisdom. Thank you both for what you're doing and putting out into our world. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Robin, and also our listeners for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8 Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Join us for next week's episode where we explore the history and story behind the saying, as above, so below. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mote it be or something better. Until next time.